episode 171, Jessica Jones, season 1, episode 9 and 10, aka Sinbin and aka 1000 Cuts. Welcome to Level 7, a podcast about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's a magical place. Hello and welcome back to Welcome to Level 7. I'm Ben, Ben Avery, and I am here to talk about something. It's been a long time coming. We're going to finish up our Jessica Jones coverage. Now, if you want to find our other Jessica Jones episodes, you can easily find that by going to welcometolevel7.com slash Jessica Jones. We like to make things easy for you. Uh, <laughs> now, uh By way of explanation, we did start this a long while ago. I think uh, episode 143 was our last Jessica Jones episode. This is episode 171. We've gone through a lot together before we came back to go through Jessica Jones together. But, um, you know, life happens. Things get in the way. And uh, while I will apologize for people who have been waiting for our Jessica Jones coverage, um, I I do apologize for that. There, There was no way around it. And... Uh, like we've been doing with our Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. coverage, uh, where we've been bringing in other podcasters or um, MCU fans, uh, friends, family <laughs> to come in and help uh, with with the uh, beginning of Season 4 of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, we are bringing in other podcasters and, and other uh, guest hosts to help us finish out our Jessica Jones coverage. And we'll probably be doing the same thing for a little while here. Um, some people will be appearing more than others, and you know I, I don't know exactly uh, what the future is going to hold. I just know if you're there out there listening, we plan to be in here podcasting. So yeah, if you're if you're putting us in your ear ear holes, we'll be standing in your earbuds speaking these words or something like that. I I really should have written down maybe the opening here. Today's guest host is Agent Samantha Payne. She is a listener who has been in contact with Daniel and myself, and we've had some conversations with her. And we have talked about how on the Jessica Jones episodes, uh, it's just two guys talking about this show that gets into a lot of, of issues that um, are not about guys uh, or that are about guys, but um, because they're about guys in the way uh, the song, you know, uh, you're so vain. You probably think the song is about you. Um you know the the show is about Jessica Jones dealing with with Kilgrave. The show is not about Kilgrave dealing with Jessica Jones. So there's 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 real world issues that are that are being discussed here, and and we've talked about some of them. And uh, Jessica is not Jessica. Samantha is going to be uh, talking uh, with us here today uh, because she she did contact us about some of those real world issues. And so um, you know, like with all the episodes of Jessica Jones, because of the topics that are involved. Uh, there is going to be some raw, not raw, uh, vulnerable uh, conversation going on here um, as we we do delve into just the real world applications of the superhero world metaphors. Samantha was someone who had reached out to us, not with the intention of hosting, but when she was talking with us about some of the things uh, we thought, you know, this would be a good voice to bring on. So she's going to be our, our uh, guest host this episode. Uh, next episode, 
the guest host. We're, we're not sure. Um, we'll figure it out. But for right now, I do want to say we do still have our preliminary investigations to get into. And what is that? Well, that's the place where you're still going to hear Daniel's observations and opinions. I'm so glad we did this. We had no idea that this would be happening. But you know what? Daniel's voice is still going to be a voice that gets to get spoken um, or gets to do speaking. Yeah, I, I'm just going to I'm going to play the sounder for our preliminary investigation. And then I'm going to play the pre preliminary investigation for not one, but two episodes. As you've heard in the opening, uh, we are doing episode nine and ten which are Sin Bin and A Thousand Cuts. And uh, the next episode, we'll be covering the next two episodes, and then we'll take one episode to cover the series, uh, series the season finale. And then by then, we'll get back into uh, the rest of 2016's segment of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 4. So that's the plan. We'll see how it all works out, but we are talking about two episodes in this episode. And so I'm going to turn it over to the preliminary investigations and we will and then we'll get on with the episode discussion. Preliminary investigation. So what is this thing that I've just played the sounder for? Well, this is where Daniel and I, um, when we first watched this, because we did watch this through binging it, knowing we weren't going to be able to do an episode right after watching the episodes. So we would watch an episode on Netflix and then we would turn around and we would phone the podcast. Now, we did this for Daredevil. We did this for Jessica Jones. We have done this for Daredevil season two and for Luke Cage. So I have recordings uh, just sitting and waiting until we do those episodes. But for right now, I have my uh, recordings from past Ben and recordings from past Daniel about Sinbin and 1000 Cuts. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to play Daniel's first for Sinbin and then mine, and then we will do the 1000 Cuts. We'll do Daniel's and mine then again. So here is Daniel calling in about Sinbin. Past Daniel, take it away. Oh, man. Come on. We're tense. We got a crazy guy on the run. We just watched a guy literally show us how to slip a handcuff. Oh, 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 a woman stab herself with scissors. Oh, oh, oh. I know exactly how creepy and manipulative our boy Kevin is. Oh, doesn't he just make your skin crawl? He makes my skin crawl. Oh, I'm going to be honest. I want to know what's going to happen next, but I also think that I need to sit back, relax, and maybe watch the Bojack Horseman because I need a change of pace because Kevin is creepy and blames everyone for his own problems. Hey, here's some things that I want to talk about that I may have forgotten in our last uh, recording. I definitely think I forgot it in my last phone call. Kilgrave, I love how they hang, a, hang the lamp on that. But anyway, Kilgrave has a really kind of incorrect um, idea of what rape is. Apparently, it was a real relationship because he gave the finer things. But he really doesn't understand the idea of mental or physical duress, um, the fact that he's manipulated people into this situation. Does he think that they wouldn't 
typically do. Um, and again, when we talk about reflecting real life, I can see other people, abusive people, uh, justifying their own actions using words like his. Again, just another kind of proof of how gritty this superhero show truly is. And I totally forgot to mention last week, Malcolm tried to point, you know, he was helping Jessica through the fact you got to blame the people who blame themselves. I, I mean, who did the thing. Don't blame yourself for something that somebody else did. Oh, it's creepy. Oh. All right. Well, I'm not even going to call in again for a few days. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something that might make me feel well-balanced because that was creeptastic. Questionably oh. illegal, too. But creeptastic is for sure. Oh. All right. Peace out later, bye. And that's Daniel. Wait. Uh, looking here, I see we've got another call from Daniel. Uh, let's see. Let's go ahead and play that. And this is kind of against the rules. You know, we were only supposed to call in once. We're supposed to keep it within the three minutes. But, uh, you know, rules schmools, I guess, as they say. Hey, if Ben can break the rules, I can too, right? So, oh, my kidding. There are no rules. But, hey, what's Simpson in? Project Rebirth Do? Is he in Captain America? The sequel? All right. Just a thought. Peace out later. Bye. Apparently, Daniel is having some trouble uh, turning off the phone, but you know what? Eh, you know, things... Technology is hard, right? Um, so, Yeah. Thanks for calling me out right away there in your second recording. But, um, yeah, uh, Simpson, I mean, you know, well, I'm not going to say it right now, but you, you do know that the, the repeating of the super soldier serum is tied into the origin of a character I like. Okay, I'm going to go ahead now and play my initial thoughts about Sinbin. Hey, future Daniel. Hey, future Ben. Listen, future Ben, deal with it. I don't got time for the drama right now. So just whatever your problem is, you're just going to have to suck it up, buddy. Uh, because I've, I've got lots of stuff to talk about here. First of all, uh, backstory. It's happening. We're seeing it. This is my instant reaction, by the way, to Sinbin, uh, episode nine. And we get backstory and we see some things that suggest to me that maybe the Luke Cage coincidence is not a coincidence. It is quite possible that this whole kind of thing might be tied in to um, both both Simpson and Kilgrave and Luke Cage. I mean, there's there's a possibility for all for experimentation for Kilgrave and Luke Cage, and the results of that experimentation possibly on on Simpson. I don't know, but um, I'm very curious what's going on there. But the other thing I just have to say is this is difficult to watch. This is this is hard to watch, and it's hard to watch for the right reasons. And this is something that Daniel, you and I had talked about, and you're expecting this, and it is playing out as we expected, being difficult to watch because, uh, not just because of the, the sexual content. And, and yeah, uh, to me, it's too much, too much sexual content. I understand the artistic choice. I understand the character motivation to include this as far as portraying the character and, and their motivation. But, um, 
wouldn't have been my personal artistic choice in the situation. Uh, but the, the way that all then ties in together, just with the, the tragedy and, and the abuse, breeding abuse, and Jessica making wrong choices, and can she overcome these wrong choices that she's made? And how much of these, there's, there's that aspect, but then there's, I can totally understand there'd be people I would say, don't, you shouldn't watch this because of what it is dealing with and because of what it's tying into and, and possibly being something that would cause um, maybe even some PTSD kind of flashbacks of their own. Uh, beyond that, there are people who shouldn't watch this because they are Kilgrave and they're just going to watch it and get angry because I have seen people use these words to describe other people's actions or to defend their own actions using words similar to what Kilgrave has used. And it's not cool. Uh, it's, it's a tragedy that people even think that way, to be honest. But, um, there are people who are Kilgrave and they are out there and this is a great superhero metaphor for this kind of abuse. And, and then you have the whole question of what should Jessica be doing with him? What's the, what, what's the right thing to do with him? You know, should the Batman have just killed Joker? Uh, yeah. So lots of, uh, adult questions, lots of mature ideas, um, but also at the same time, not a lot of rewatchability for me. <laughs> it's just, it's a lot. It's a lot to take in. So that's my introduction to. Yes, past Ben, future Ben speaking back at you. Yes, rewatching, difficult. And, but I did because I do want to have an intelligent conversation about this or as intelligent as I can with Samantha. And so that's what's going to happen next. I'm going to play the sounder for the surveillance report. And when I do, Samantha will join me here in the metaphorical Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. headquarters that exists in Skype. <laughs> so, yeah. All right. I'm going to play the sounder now. Surveillance report. Okay, so we're back, and I'm not alone. I have been joined by a new agent or a new private detective. I can't remember now. It's been so long, but there's some mixed metaphors going on, I'm sure. But someone else is here with me, and it's not Daniel. It's not Evan. It's not John. Um, it's not Ben. It's it's Samantha. Welcome, Samantha. Hi. Thank you for having me. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Thank you. So um, the main reason that you're here is we talked about how we wanted to get more voices when we were talking about Jessica Jones, not knowing how many new voices we were going to be getting just to talk about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. But even way back when we were doing the Jessica Jones episodes, we talked about we wanted more voices. And then you sent us some really insightful feedback, I felt. And so that's why I was like, you know what? let's let's get her on let's let's get her on let's talk about jessica jones and it won't just be a couple dudes talking about it it'll be actually uh, a female perspective which i cannot have because i'm i'm not so um yeah so i'm really glad to have you have you here and i really appreciate you coming on and taking the time to do this so thank you very much well thank you for having me although that sounds like i just ended the episode so, <laughs> um, yeah. So, hey, we're talking about Sinbin and 1000 Cuts. And that's another thing that's different is we are talking about two episodes. And what um, what we'll do, just I'm not exactly sure the best way to go about this. So I think we'll just talk about one and then talk about the other. Does that sound okay? Yes. 
Um, so I, I've got a plot synopsis I'm going to read through here. Stop me anywhere if I miss something or or anything like that. Um, but then we'll we'll talk about what just uh, our, our thoughts and and perspectives on on the episode. So uh, Sinbin, aka Sinbin. It's been a while since we've talked about Jessica Jones, but um, here's the setup. Kilgrave is now in a cell and he cannot control anyone because he's cut off from everyone by a a really strong glass wall. And Jessica actually has control over him. Uh, Meanwhile, Simpson has been wounded by the bomb. Trish has him in her car and he's hurt bad. He's getting taken to the hospital and he's asking for Dr. Kozloff. Um, Jessica then go. Yeah. So back to Jessica, she's playing Reva's recordings of the children being experimented on, which includes Kilgrave. And he's getting more and more upset while she's searching for a confession. Hogarth comes in to advance the legal side of the plot and to say that the DA is offering hope a plea deal because hope was in jail because she killed people. And if you're listening to all only the Jessica Jones episodes right now, you probably don't need to be reminded of that, but it's been a long time since we talked about Jessica Jones. So, mm-hmm. um, Hogarth thing also gives Jessica some, uh, thoughts on how to make a video confession, have a little bit of legitimacy and legal authenticity. And so then Jessica leaves to go find someone who can witness it and leaves Hogarth alone with Kilgrave tries to get Clemens to come. That's the officer who is two years away from a full pension, which I can't believe mm-hmm. they go there with that mm-hmm. two years away. <laughs> Just two years. <laughs> yep. Uh, but he can't help her without any evidence. He doesn't want to help her without any evidence. Um, meanwhile, Hogarth is having trouble with her divorce proceedings. Wendy now wants 90% of the assets in their divorce, and she's not in it for the money. She's in it for the hurt. Kilgrave is seeing his in, and he starts using his powers of persuasion that aren't part of his super abilities. But she's smart. And... Uh, back in the hospital, Trish and Simpson uh, are in the hospital. Simpson is being attended to. He asks for Kozlov, who comes. He asks Trish to go and kill Kilgrave. Uh, she doesn't think she can. And when Kozlov comes, Simpson says, I want back in. And Trish is pushed away. Jessica returns to the cell, puts Hogarth on the kill switch. As she goes into the cell with Kilgrave to get evidence, gets very aggressive while Kilgrave plays the victim, Jessica tries to get Kilgrave to admit the truth and Kilgrave continues trying to rewrite the truth. Jessica hits Kilgrave while Kilgrave taunts Jessica and then Hogarth leaves as Trish arrives and Trish shocks Jessica into stopping uh, short of killing him. And Jessica realizes that he didn't have to do a thing and he had all the control and realizes maybe she could get his parents if they are still alive. That might help. Meanwhile, Pam tries to manipulate Hogarth into getting more aggressive with Wendy and gives an ultimatum, teases her about how much she loves Hogarth being in control, but Pam seems to be taking control herself. Jessica tracks down the parents. Hope is asked to plead guilty, but wants to talk to Jessica. And when she does, she tells Jessica she's taking the plea deal. Jessica convinces her not to by promising that she's going to get Kilgrave to admit things. Uh, Jessica goes to the support group and finds Kilgrave's mother and then confronts Kilgrave's parents, brings them back with her to the cell. 
Hogarth comes into the cell, though, first, tells Trish to take a break. Trish leaves her alone with Kilgrave, and Hogarth listens to Kilgrave because his powers might help her with the situation with Wendy. Trish calls Simpson. He's fine. He sounds a lot better than he should be, but then we see that he's taking medicine. One red to get you going, two whites to keep you even, one blue to bring you down. And... Jessica arrives just in time before Hogarth lets Kilgrave out. Clemens comes to see the convention, confession. The parents go in the cell, and then it all goes to hell. <laughs> it's mm. bad, <laughs> bad stuff. As Kilgrave takes control of his parents, the kill switch has been deactivated. Uh, Trish shoots the window. Kilgrave gets out, tells Trish to put a bullet in her head, tells the detective to follow him, although the detective is... Uh, handcuffed to the wall. Kilgrave gets out, but one thing we get to a big reveal before the end of this episode is that he cannot control Jessica, but he is out of there. He mm. is out. Uh, and we get another flashback to when uh, Jessica killed Riva and she realizes that he might have lost control of her then. So I think that might be the place to start is Kilgrave's control or lack of control with Jessica. I don't know. Um, is that a good place? You have any thoughts yeah. about that or yeah. Um, well, it's just an ironic switch in the middle of the series, um, that she finally has the upper hand on him. She, she does. She, she has the upper hand, but she doesn't know it. <laughs> she, she might've had the upper hand the entire time, but he's, you know, because he's been giving her the, the idea of, I want you to love me of your own free will. Oh, okay. I thought you were talking about her having him in the cage, but oh, no, you're talking about you're I'm, talking about her, her, um, his inability to control her now. Yes, correct? yes. Yeah, well, okay. you're right about the upper hand as well, though. Mm -hmm. uh, as far as in the cage, and he can't control anybody in there. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, um, I I think, um, well, there's another point in the next episode that actually kind of echoes what happened to Jessica um, during um, that er that earlier incident where she, where he finally loses control with her. Um, um, the reason why I came on the show was because I have been in an abusive relationship in the past, actually several, but the last relationship I was in was the absolute worst. And there's a point when you're in an abusive relationship that you kind of hit a point where you realize that the person that you love and the person you're, you're with is a monster. And once you hit that point, you cannot go back. And I, I think that's metaphorically speaking, I think that's what happened to Jessica. You, you mean at this point in time or before? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, he cannot, there's no way for him to go back and mind control her really. Because well, she, yeah. And, and he's still, he's holding to his deal with himself, not to use his powers with Jessica. Mm -hmm. Uh, not knowing that when they have their confrontation in the cell that he couldn't anyway. Mm -hmm. um, but this is, this whole series is very difficult to watch. And this scene is difficult to watch because on one hand you're like, you know what? He deserves all of this. He, he deserves punishment for all the things he's done, mm -hmm. he, but he stays, he, he stays true to the rewriting of history that mm -hmm. he is trying to do where he's telling her, you, you liked it. You know, you liked me. And, mm -hmm. uh, and he continues trying to convince her that the story that she has in her head 
is the wrong story. Yeah, well, that's another thing, too, is that he's a psychopath. A lot of people think psychopaths are serial killers, and typically they are. But most psychopaths, I'd say about 99% of them are actually... They tend to go into management, <laughs> yeah, um, because they can talk their way into um, a position of power, um, which is exactly what Kilgrave has done. I mean, the virus is just a metaphor for the fact that he can, you know, talk his way into any situation he wants, which actually, funny enough, just the way the character is, he doesn't entirely need it. It's just... It adds it, to it. Yeah, yeah, it adds to it. And I guess this episode, not just this episode, there's there's an element of the idea of control or lack of control all over the place in the series. But this episode where you have Hogarth having to deal with her own control issues and being given an ultimatum by Pam to you know go after and get more aggressive with Wendy. Wendy is trying to take control and hurt Hogarth. Uh, mm -hmm. So there, that whole divorce situation and, and just just everything there is echoing all these control things. And then we'll get into it a little bit more with with uh, with with Trish and Simpson too. Mm -hmm. um, not so much here, but there there is some elements of of that as well. And again, it's difficult because I mean you're just talking about how the superpower that Kilgrave has is really just a metaphor for just having that ability to, to talk your way into situations, to talk your way out of situations and to talk your way into places of power. And right. It, um, th that's um, what makes it difficult is it's, it's realistic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's for a lot of people, it's very painful. It, it was even painful for me to go back and rewatch the series um, because it just, it brought back so many bad memories that I've had. Um, but in an odd way too, it's also kind of cathartic to see those emotions and then those feelings and those memories kind of um, played out in a way that I've never seen before in in any other series. Uh, usually, when you see abusive relationships, it's 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 shown from a third person perspective, mm -hmm. or it's shown um, maybe from the abuser's perspective, but you never really see it from the victim's perspective. Done very well, or you see it while the abuse is going on. You never see what happens after and as the victim is recovering from the situation. Um, oh, and also speaking of Hogarth, I also wanted to touch on that um, as far as master manipulator goes, I think Hogarth can, without Kilgrave's power, can match him toe-to-toe -to -toe with manipulation. Yeah. <laughs> she's, <laughs> she's not a... I don't like Hogarth. <laughs> And I don't, don't know. No, no, I hope you're not supposed to really. Uh, there are no, there are no perfect people in this series. Correct. And Jessica Jones there and, and the Netflix series in general, everyone mm -hmm. has their dark side, but in, in this series in particular, there is just a lot of um, seeing the dark side of, of everyone. And, yeah. and, you know, they don't shy away from it with Jessica either. Uh, they could very easily say, well, Jessica is, you know, if not a victim, she's pure, you know, and she she was victimized, but she is good at heart. And and in the end, she's good at heart. But you also see that she has a lot of a lot of issues that aren't just issues coming out of the abuse. There were issues that were before the abuse. Yeah. 
Um, and it's not just that she's good at heart. It's that she resents that she's she herself is good at heart. Um, and I think that's, hmm. uh, yeah. So that keeps her from mm-hmm. doing some of the things she really would want to do. <laughs> yeah, I think that's why she keeps going back to alcohol. Um, it's because she really can't face what she's feeling. So she's drowning herself in, in whiskey or whatever she can get a hold of. Um, Which is not a healthy way to handle it at all. Um, no, no, no. <laughs> and, and, and it's hard to find the healthy way, and the healthy way is not the easy way. Correct. Um, after I se- uh, separated from my ex, um, I was – oh, gosh. See, I was crying straight for the first three days, and I cried every day for at least six months. And during all that time, I went to therapy. Um, both individual and group therapy. And it was not at all easy, but it helped me fight my way to bring myself back back together because my ex did not just break my heart. He also shattered my soul. And I'm still feeling like I'm pulling myself back together um, years later, but I'm, I would say I'm, I'm almost back together. It's just, it still hurts in many ways. And, and honestly, that's one of the things that bugs me about Jessica and she does it in both this episode and the next. Maybe mm-hmm. she doesn't do it in the next. Uh, but in this episode where she goes to the group meeting mm-hmm. and just takes it over and doesn't let the people do. Uh, that's right. She doesn't go to the one in the next episode. It's it's Robin who goes in the next episode. But she she just takes it over and she's using them to for her own means. And it's just, no, wait, no. <laughs> like, these are nice, good people. These are people who are trying to to you know talk to the only people who can understand them but she Mm -hmm. knows she knows as she goes there she can find the mom maybe and Mm -hmm. ah and 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 that's why i like jessica jones the show because it's complex Mm -hmm. and because it allows you to have a character who you root for jessica but then you're like she's doing things the wrong way you know this is is (laughs) not good and she's hurting people um, she's hurting people as she is trying to, you know, solve her problems and stuff. But uh, kind of that there's that truism of you know hurt people, hurt people. <laughs> mm-hmm. She's she's still hurting and she's still reeling from what he's done to her, and she's still very angry, very angry mm-hmm. about what she, what he's done to her. And it, it makes the, the question there. Um, I mean, she's torturing Kilgrave. Uh, mm-hmm. playing those things of his own abuse. And if not all his, it's not on a loop of just him on video in, you know, when he was having the, the stuff, the, the, the medical experiments done on him, it's all these other kids as well. And I'm asking myself, is this okay? I mean, I know what the ends that she wants. Does it justify, <laughs> does it justify the means? And we've had the torture conversation on agents of shield uh, a few different times and mm-hmm. daniel has teased me because he tells me that i'm pro torture and that's not i'm not pro torture but i'm wondering you know is it worth it you know do the ends justify the means here and is she taking a step too far mm. well you got to remember what is she what is her objective throughout this entire episode it's to get a, a confession from kilgrave mm-hmm. um to get him to confess that he did 
um, control and manipulate hope. Um, so she can get, she can be let free for killing her own parents, which, um, I believe during this episode, was it this episode or was it the previous episode where he mentioned, where he tells Jessica directly, I didn't tell you to kill anyone. That's this one. Um, or is it, is next it this one? one? Okay. I think it's I this can't. one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah. And he's like, I don't, I didn't tell you to kill anyone. Um, and when the truth is, is that he used her as a tool to kill someone. I mean, it's, it's like when a mob boss tells one of his goons, Hey, go out and take care of this person. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I didn't say kill. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's something that he, he does with his, it's, it's his strength, but it's also a weakness with his power. And when he tells, and this is part of the next episode, but when he tells uh, Trish, put a bullet in your head or in your mm-hmm. skull, or, or I think it's in your head. And mm-hmm. Jessica gets around it by, okay, open your mouth, <laughs> open your mm-hmm. mouth, puts the bullet in her mouth. Now it's in your head. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and that becomes kind of a weakness. You can get around it if you parse the language. Um, but another thing we've talked about with, with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is the idea of blame and who is to blame. And are you to blame when someone has chosen to do something for you, you know, or like if my car gets robbed, am I the one to blame because I left it unlocked? You know, Mm -hmm. well, it's my fault that it was unlocked. Yes, but it's not my fault that someone chose to steal something out of my car. Correct. And, and that's the, that's the situation here. I mean, Jessica had no choice and Kilgrave is trying to make it look like you know, I told you take care of her, take care of the situation, but I didn't say kill her. That came from you. That came from within you. And I think that's him, again, being the master manipulator without having to use the power to manipulate. Because mm. he's he's saying, he's telling his version of the truth, which almost sounds like it could be the truth. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't tell you to kill. That came from you. Well, yeah, he didn't tell her to kill, but just because she interpreted the meaning of what he was saying. She interpreted it correctly. <laughs> you know, that's, yeah. that's what he wanted. Yeah. So. Um, uh, but that's also where the fantasy of the series also differs from reality. Um, where I think in reality, um, there would be some blame put on her, but because he has a special ability to make anyone do anything against their will. Um, then um, then that's where it becomes um, that that's where the fantasy comes in is that Jessica just didn't want to be in this relationship with him at all. It wasn't her idea. He snapped his fingers and she said, and he said, "Come with me," and she went with him mm-hmm. um, where in reality, um, the abuser first courts and um, and swoons and you know, puts the victim up on a pedestal. And then one day that all comes tumbling down and all of a sudden they're dirt. Um, and the victim is trying to get back to that phase of the relationship where everything was still good and they were, you're still in love, but you can never get that. And that's where the manipulation comes in. Um, and that's, it's a very hard spell to break. Um, and it's definitely, there. yeah, it's definitely, you, you mentioned fantasy, uh, but then you also use the, the, 
the metaphor of a spell. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's literally yeah. that's what's happening here. Is it is a spell that cannot yeah. be broken, and, and they are doing things they don't want to do. You can see them emotionally react mm-hmm. to doing the thing that they just don't want to do, and but they have no choice, and they just have lost all free will. And, Correct. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and that is definitely where it, you're you're stepping into metaphor land, and you actually then start stepping out of metaphor land and into this is the story of this world. Yes. And, um. Because yeah, I mean, absolutely, this is not a not a realistic thing that mm-hmm. you know you don't have that power. Um. What do you think about the MCU version of his power though, where it's a virus? <laughs> I like it. It, it, I actually do like it. it um, I, I thought that was very inventive. It, it works because, you know, you have some things that are like that. There's like certain funguses or fungi or whatever that can take control of, of insects and, and cause mm-hmm. them to kind of do things to benefit the fungus and, and not themselves. And um, yeah, the idea of mind control itself, it's a trope mm-hmm. uh, that you, you get in lots of sci-fi where you – and boy, that – that used to be the thing that my brother, when he was little, and and my son now, my my five year old, or I guess he just turned six. But whenever we're watching a show and the good guys get mind controlled and start doing bad things, um, it freaks him out. He hates it. He, mm-hmm. he he just wants to turn it off. And oh, this is bad. But one time he was sitting in timeout. He had he had hit his sibling, you know. And, when you mm-hmm. hit, you go to timeout immediately, you mm-hmm. know. And so he's sitting in timeout, and I hear him saying. I don't want to turn evil. And then I hear him say, I'm changing. I'm turning evil. And I'm like, oh, no, I got to talk with him now. Oh, no. And, and so I, I get him out of the corner where he's sitting. And I'm like, well, let's talk about this. You know, you, you did a bad thing, but you're you're not turning evil. You know, this isn't like those shows that you watch where, you know, your favorite ninja starts doing evil stuff and, and the Lego ninja go, you know. And he said, mm-hmm. but I am turning evil. Look. And he holds out his arm. And I realized that the shade of the lighting where he was sitting made his arm look a little different. And he really did think he was changing. Oh. Like it was this total breakdown of reality for him. And it was happening just the way he seen certain things. It was just like, oh, my goodness, man. Well, we might need to mm-hmm. stop watching cartoons. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's also where, I mean, kids live in a fantasy world. Yes. Yeah, everything is real to them. Um, but... Also, you could tell him that the fact that he recognized that he was, you know, that something, there was a change going on, gives him the control to change that feeling because he recognized it in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. So it wasn't bad. No, it it was a really good moment actually for us Mm -hmm. to have and, and for me to be able to comfort him and say, oh, no, that's the light. That's the shade. And I know it looks like that, but... You're not turning evil. You know, we're, we make bad choices sometimes. We make wrong choices and, and we got to make the right ones. And we, you have consequences to help you remember. It's just going through that whole parenting thing. Mm-hmm. But um, hey, that actually brings us up to another point, though. The whole parenting thing with uh, Kilgrave's parents, where they. Um, oh, oh, that, that goes beyond his a, parents. Oh, what a conversation. Um, what a conversation. Uh, yeah. You may have named him Kevin, but you made him Kilgrave. I mean, she is mm-hmm. aggressive with them. And then we find out he had a neurological disease that would have made him brain dead by 12. 
So they experiment mm-hmm. with him with uh, this virus that had side effects and they lived with mm-hmm. it for a while. And then they ran away because he was controlling them. And they came when they heard about the girl. Oh, and she says, Oh my goodness, this line, if that was me, of course, I would hope I would not be in that situation, obviously. But she says, if your parenting didn't make him a sociopath, your lack of parenting did. <laughs> Wait, it's the whole Wait, damned if you it, do, damned if you don't. There is no way out of that. Like, well, I mean, there is. I, I'm not a parent. Um, I hope to be someday. I'm about to become an aunt for the first time. Yay! <laughs> but I have seen through other friends that there's a point you do raise your kids, and you can put into as much parenting as you can. But sometimes the kid does makes wrong choices, and it affects them for the rest of their lives. I have a friend who. He was raised in a very good home with two loving parents, and um, they had a very stable background, but he chose to get into drug abuse, and uh, which is another form of abuse that's covered on this show as well. Yeah. Um, uh, and his life since then has completely spiraled out of control. I mean, he got sober for a while, but it's it's unfortunately fallen apart again, and well, he's not the first one I've known to be like this. Um, well, you, you have the question yeah. of, is it nature or is it nurture? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and honestly, the truth is, I mean, and anyone, I think it's, it's both. it's both. It's both. Yeah. You know, you have things like you may be more apt to become an alcoholic because of some biological things or because of, you know, just the example that you see your, your parents setting. And then you also hit that point where you are making choices for yourself. Mm-hmm. And it's not just, okay, well, my, my parents did a bad job with me, but it's, I need to choose. And you, I decide, do I want to do this or do I want to do this? And if you choose A, there's going to be benefits of positives and negatives. And if you choose B, there's going to be other benefits, different positives, different negatives. And mm-hmm. that's on you. I mean, there, there is a point where you hit where it is. It's on you. And it, and that's where Kilgrave is right now. I mean, mm-hmm. the things he's doing now, it's on him. Yeah. Uh, but they made it easier for him to make those choices if they did a bad job parenting or by leaving him alone. Right. And there is a point where, you know, the parenting – you can't do any more parenting. You just have to kind of set us stand aside and mm-hmm. uh, let your child lead their own life, uh, whether you like it or not, which is what happened to Kilgrave and his parents. Um, though I think it happened because of his manipulating power. I think it happened a lot earlier than it happens to most people. Yeah, he was escaping. I mean, they were escaping him when he was still a child. Mm-hmm. And so as a, as a child, he's now going around using his power to get food and to, mm-hmm. to survive on his own. And so here's, and here's another good thing that they do with this show is they don't take mm-hmm. Kilgrave and just make him a, he's evil, evil, evil. He's, there's some sympathy for his story. If he wasn't doing the stuff he's doing. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and that's, that's, that's some good storytelling. It's not necessarily, I mean, we've talked about this before when, when Daniel and I were talking about Jessica Jones, I don't want to live here. You know, I, I, I'm rewatching it for the, the podcast. Um, I wouldn't be rewatching it for the podcast. I, I wouldn't be rewatching it without the podcast. It's difficult because it's complex. It's difficult because there's a realism, uh, an emotional realism. Mm-hmm. And it, it's difficult because it's, 
it's well written, it's well created, and there's an emotional mm-hmm. response. So another interesting thing that I saw here was you have Kilgrave kind of rewriting the story uh, for Jessica and trying to rewrite it for her, and mm-hmm. and that is a mm-hmm. that's a psychological thing. You you can have it, you can have things told to you enough that it becomes a truth, but then there's kind of an echo there with Hope taking the plea deal where she would be um, pleading guilty. Mm-hmm. And you have yeah. the, the 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 legal system pushing her to rewrite her story as well. Uh, I live in North Carolina, and I recently met – I forget his name. This was a few months ago. I met the man who was the first man in the state of North Carolina who was exonerated from um, a, a rape trial through DNA evidence back in the 90s. Oh, okay. And um, – the state basically rewrote his story about what he was doing that day. And he, he was at home, but when he told police his story, he thought he was thinking of another weekend. And so he confused his story. The state made him look like, Oh, he's just changing his story. But no, he just, he was just dumb kid and Mm -hmm. mixed up his weekends, um, as in a very human way. And, um, they actually had very little evidence to, uh, convict him, but they did. Um, and finally they did find, um, actually he found the man who raped this woman because this man was also convicted for another rape and was, they, he was sent to the same prison and, uh, because of DNA came around, he was, he, he was able to go to his lawyer and convince the the DA to, to do this test and he was freed. I know I've heard stories like that. I don't know if I've heard that particular one, but it's almost more tragic. And you know that this happens in real life too. She <laughs> knows she's not guilty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and she's talking about taking the plea deal. Mm-hmm. And of course it gets more tragic in the next episode. But, yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I think maybe we need to move to the next episode. Um, yeah. Just, just so these, these uh, I know we're doing two episodes in, in one, but we don't want to get too long here. So. The next okay. one is called also, uh, AKA 1000 Cuts. And this one takes off right where we left off. Kilgrave takes control of Holgarth to escape and mm-hmm. tells her, tells her, take me to a doctor you trust. Trish is still trying to put the bullet in her head, but then Jessica has her put it in her mouth. Uh, Kilgrave mm-hmm. gets to Wendy's house. That's the doctor Hogarth trusts. Meanwhile, yeah, Jessica. Yeah, but Wendy doesn't trust Hogarth. No. As, why would yeah. she? <laughs> why would she? And I think it's more Hogarth trusts her as a doctor. Uh, yeah, exactly. Less yeah. than trusts her as a, a person. I mean, the, um, and, and when they get there, uh, okay, Kilgrave tells Wendy to take care of him, but they commiserate. They talk about Hogarth and they talk about relationships. And um, and then uh, as they're talking, Kilgrave says, tell me something you I don't know. And it's just like sarcasm. But. Hogarth reveals Hope was pregnant with his child. She kept some of the cells to see if the power could be replicated. Uh, it's it's a mess. Uh, Jessica calls Hogarth and Hogarth lies to Jessica. But you can hear Wendy in the background and that gives away the lie. And Kilgrave pulling on a, a statement from earlier says uh, death by a thousand cuts go. And Wendy then starts mm. just slicing away at, at Hogarth. Again, very difficult to watch um yeah this is where i usually cover my eyes <laughs> uh yeah. Oh, yeah so meanwhile again more terrible stuff happening uh, simpson comes to the cell where clemens is he's nursing his hurt hand 
and here I thought he had survived. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Cle- Simpson gets information from Clemens about where what's going on by playing nice, and then just shoots Clemens in the head. Mm. It's just brutality after brutality. Mm-hmm. Pam ends up saving Hogarth by killing Wendy. <laughs> just hits her in mm-hmm. the head. Wendy falls against the glass uh, coffee table and Jessica confronts Hogarth in there and says, you know, I'm sorry, Pam, you killed in self-defense, but Hogarth, you were, you're a murderer. What you've done by getting Kilgrave out of here, you're, you're a murderer and Kilgrave, he is gone. So then we have uh, Jessica going home and coming across Robin and Malcolm. They have a short conversation and Jessica's not happy with the situation, but Robin still thinks that her brother might be out there somewhere. And Malcolm, who knows her brother is not out there somewhere, uh, helps her plaster these um, flyers. Yeah. Flyers around, you know, looking for help. Kilgrave comes to Jessica's place. There's confrontation and Kilgrave reveals that he has hope that she, he's made it possible for her to leave the prison and he will trade hope for his dad. Pam is in police custody and sees Hogarth for what she is. Meanwhile, uh, Kilgrave, again, rewriting that story with Jessica. And we get some flashbacks into this one moment in time. After 12 hours had gone by, for 18 seconds, he didn't control her. And she stayed. 18 seconds. Like, that's mm-hmm. that's his victory. And then we see something that I want to talk through. I'm not sure exactly what to think of this. I have my ideas, but she thought to escape. She gets on the ledge of the building and she's thinking about leaping. We see her leap down from the building where she was staying with Kilgrave and she gets on a white horse and Mm -hmm. starts to ride away and we find out she never jumped. And Kilgrave Mm -hmm. says, get down from there, Jessica. Yeah, so then Malcolm, he's being eaten alive by his lies. He tells the, the group and Robin is there and hears everything. And then she goes after the group and says, I feel your sadness, but where is your rage? Let's go after her. And so they go after Jessica. <laughs> Jessica is going to get Hope back and connects with her on the phone. But then Malcolm is at the door to warn her about the mob that's coming. The mob comes in and rescues Kilgrave, who has his mouth taped and he's tied up in the room and he gets away. Meanwhile, Trish is working with the father. Simpson comes in. He's messed up in the head. He starts pushing Trish around and it's... That's all bad news there. And then Jessica wakes up to her phone, finds out that Hope has been kidnapped and that they're at her their favorite restaurant. Kilgrave gives the message to Jessica. He's at your favorite restaurant. She goes in with the dad thinking they have the antivirus. They're going to try it anyway. And he takes it or sprays it, that is. We go in. We find out that the mob is all lined up to hang themselves. So Malcolm, Robin, the other people from the group. And Kilgrave is going to tell them to hang themselves unless you say you're sorry. So she does. And then he starts talking to his father. The antivirus works for a moment and then it doesn't. And then Hope stabs herself in the throat so that Kilgrave loses his power over Jessica by using Hope as the pawn. And says you can kill him now. Mm. Because that's one of his threats is if you kill me, there are people who have orders to kill themselves. Yeah. So 
yeah, it's it's messy. It's it's really messy. Really difficult to watch. I mean, even without all the blood and and such, uh, it's just very tense scene. Yeah. Now it is the most superheroic scene of the series, mm-hmm. <laughs> almost. When she rescues them, they're they're they step off the bar in mm-hmm. this restaurant and they're now hanging. Mm-hmm. And she jumps up and she saves them. I mean that that was a really cool scene. If you take it away from everything else, it's really cool. But but in context, it's really awful. Well, it's awful too because she loses one person or she loses four people, and she goes for, to save the majority, and she has no chance of saving everybody. I, I and think she knows she, that. I think she had no chance of saving Hope anyway, but. You know, we're talking about metaphor and stuff. I mean, hope. Mm-hmm. You, you can't hang a, a bigger lampshade on <laughs> on that character. And hope kills itself, kills herself in the in the show. But then you got have this metaphor of hope killing itself and hope dying to give. I don't to give power. I, I don't know, or or to take away power. I guess from from Kilgrave. Mm-hmm. Would this be like, I guess maybe with, with the overall arc of the season, um, maybe this is the inciting moment that pushes the story for the last few episodes. Am I wrong? Yeah, I, I would call this the um, the beginning of the third act. This is pushing mm-hmm. us into, into act three. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't think you're wrong. Um, because now we're heading into the climax. Now we're heading yeah. into the final confrontations. And yeah, I was so, glad we got to see a mini confrontation in last episode where she's throwing around the cell and stuff. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, that was episode, what, nine, eight? <laughs> and, you know, we're not done yet. So, mm-hmm. yeah, things are going to get even more. I mean, they're they're going to they're going to get worse uh, because that's the way storytelling goes. And I start cringing sometimes. I remember cringing the first time through. Oh, man. I thought we were already at the worst point that we could get to. And we still got more episodes. What are they going to do that's worse than this? Yeah, death by a thousand cuts. That phrase itself just, um, yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's another way of, of putting what it's like going through an abusive relationship. It's it's one tiny cut after another, but what's happening in between these cuts is that there's a, a manipulation and a, um, a, a sm- Chance, small chance to heal and then there comes another cut and then a chance to heal and another cut and it just I mean it, we, even within seconds you, you can have this sort of emotional back and forth between the um, abuser and the victim or it could stretch over a long period of time well you know speaking of time then so you have that 18 seconds that she didn't leave mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and that's his victory you know mm-hmm. like that's 18 seconds you weren't under my power mm-hmm what really that's 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 your big like for 18 seconds no sorry pal and here shows his insecurity that he only let it happen for 18 seconds after that short period of time he had to take it back because he knew he he would lose her yeah yeah Yeah. what did you think about this horse thing the horse um i can tell you from my own experience that there were many times that um in my last relationship where i just wanted to up and leave um, but for some reason I was always drawn back. 
I'm, and, and for Jessica, she was drawn back because, well, the power. His he spoke to her. Yeah. But I'm wondering, because I, I know that in some, some literature, you know, the, the white horse is kind of a, a metaphor for death, you know, the pale horse. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I'm wondering if, if she's having this vision of this white horse because she's contemplating suicide. Yes, I, I totally believe that. Um, okay. Going back to my own experiences, um, I th when I was in this relationship, I thought about suicide at least two or three two or three times a week. Um, I never followed through, but I thought about it a lot. Um, and I also lived near a mental hospital, and I thought about maybe at least once a month, if not more, about um, going in. Um, um, admitting myself um, because I was just feeling so low. Um, and I also had these compounding health issues when really just the solution was I had to get out of that situation. Um, which for Jessica, you know, jumping off that, that building and killing herself or just running, a, you know, or she could jump off the building and just simply run away. Um, yeah, she could do that. I mean, no, yeah. no one else could, but... True. Um, but I, I would also like to point out that if you're in a relationship and you, it is making you feel suicidal, what you do is you just leave the situation. Death is not the answer because all death does is put the pain that you're feeling onto the people that love you the most, your parents, your your siblings, your friends, your coworkers who you're really close to. It does it. It really just doesn't eliminate your pain. It just spreads it elsewhere. Um, but really finding someone or some reason to, to get out of that situation, that's to, to keep living so you can fight through it and, and fight to live another day. That's, that is much more rewarding than suicide would ever be. Yeah. And, and I think in the future episodes here, there, there is an element of seeing that from Jessica mm -hmm. and seeing her overcome. And I, I, I just feel like this goes to such dark places and such low places. Mm -hmm. And I, the good thing is that we come out the other end like this. Mm -hmm. There, there is, you know, I mean, this is, it's traumatic watching the show, you know? Yeah. And, and so to, to come out the other end, I, I think that the metaphor works on a number of different levels, but then it also works on the level that it's being written at where mm -hmm. it just, here's, this abusive relationship and you know it, it, he wouldn't have gotten control of her after that 18 seconds if she hadn't hesitated or mm -hmm. you know was looking at what's the one way out well if she goes through the door and tries to leave he will see her and mm -hmm. he will tell her come back here can she jump and if she did jump could she survive and mm -hmm. that's why one thing that kind of takes me out of the dream and this is just a quibble but she imagines herself jumping down and landing and being safe. And I'm just like, is this real? You know, did this really happen? Because it could have with her. Uh, yeah. I, I remember the first time watching it, I was thinking, Oh, she really escaped from him and she gets on the, and the horse is suddenly there. I'm like, Oh, this is a fantasy. Yeah. yeah. And maybe that's why they went ahead with the horse is mm -hmm. to make sure you knew this is not real life. This is, yeah. this is her imagination. Because it does kind of break down some of the, the stylistic walls that they've been using in the storytelling so far. 
Yeah, I think if I recall correctly, in that scene after she gets onto the horse, there is a sort of slow motion, sort of mm-hmm. they slow down the footage a little bit. Yeah. So it does feel like a fantasy. But it's a powerful moment and more powerful because it was just a fantasy and she's brought out of it and put under his control again. And then he sets right to oh. abuse. And yeah. Tells, tells her, her to, to cut her ears yeah. off. Oh, yeah. And then he stops. And again, it gets uh, I, I mean, <laughs> how much more uncomfortable are we going to keep getting? But he stops. And, oh, no. You know, and he puts his arms around her. I couldn't do that to you. And just. No, dude, yeah, you just and, did. You know, and, yeah, and that's what I was talking about was that that moment of healing the last cut before you add on the next. Um, that's what it's like. Um, so, yeah, and then he back to hope. There's there's this moment where he he talks about he says the line "Abandon hope, all ye who enter here," which is you know he, held up over the entrance to hell basically and mm-hmm. literally that's what happens here uh she abandons hope to mm-hmm. help the people who are getting hung now the, the other thing i would say though is sh- the way hope sticks that wine glass stem into her throat mm-hmm. jessica wasn't going to save her and like, she knew that yeah she ev- knew it even if those others weren't there even if there wasn't a choice between the, the two spots to go to um, there was no way Jessica was going to help her. And yeah. yeah. And she knows that that's why she says, you know, I think at the end of that scene, she tells her to stop kill grave or yeah, you can kill him now. Yeah. You can kill him now. Yeah. Cause um, hope was the only reason why she was holding back in the first place. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, I think, think we'll, we'll, I guess we'll stop here. Final report. I, I do want to thank you for uh, coming on for real this time in the end sense of coming on, mm-hmm. uh, Samantha. And, and I also want to thank you for for sharing some of your story. And that's part of uh, a big part of, of why, you know, it's not just coming on because you're you're not a dude. You know, mm-hmm. Although that is part of it uh, to mm-hmm. get get a female perspective on, on an episode's uh, on a series like this. But but at the same time, to hopefully maybe be a little bit of inspiration to some people mm-hmm. who, who may be going through this kind of thing, um, male or female, honestly. And, yeah. uh, and as you were sharing with us um, on the Welcome Level 7 uh, thread that we had going on there, um, and it was just kind of, okay, this is this is good. And I, I appreciated you um, with your, your, your openness with us there. And I appreciate you with your openness here. And, and I do, I hope that anyone who has heard uh, us talking about this, and we've talked a little bit about this before with Jessica Jones too, like get help, that kind of thing. But mm-hmm. um, I hope that, that Samantha has, has uh, given you some hope and, and maybe given you um, some, some motivation and, or, you know, just some, some direction there too. Um, just speaking from her own experience. So and I thank you for bringing yeah. your experience here. Do you have any final words before we, before we shut this thing down? Hmm. You should have asked me to prepare for that. <laughs> uh, you know what? That's what everyone says. Yeah. Maybe that should just be the final word for guests. Is, why didn't you ask me to prepare? But um, um, I would say um, trust your instinct with people. Uh, if you feel conflicted with um, a relationship or with a person or a situation, 
um, just trust your gut instinct and, and not the justification that's going through your mind. And I will say thank you for listening. Have a great day. And we would love to hear from you about Jessica Jones. And we will be covering Daredevil. We will be covering Luke Cage. I'm just not sure when. But it'll happen. And we'll have fun with it. And so I'm just going to say, uh, you know, I've been sitting here. And, um, you know, there's there's some dampness in the air in my house right now. And, and I just have to say, you know, I took off my shoes and my socks because... My feet are pruning. Thanks for listening to Welcome to Level 7. You've heard us, now we'd love to hear from you. Go to welcometolevel7.com slash feedback where you can contact us through our website. You can also leave us a voicemail by calling one seventy seven fifty five level 7 You can also join the lively conversation going on at facebook.com slash welcome to level seven or connect with us on Twitter where we're level seven pod. And remember, the seven is spelled out. Our theme music is I Knew a Guy and On the Ground by Kevin McLeod at incomtech.com, licensed under the Creative Commons license.